Please remain standing for a reading of scripture today. We have two. The first comes to us out of Exodus chapter 20. We read verses 1 through 3. And then we'll flip over to the gospel of Mark and read Mark chapter 12 verses 28 through 31. Hear now first the words of Moses out of Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. And now Mark 12, beginning in verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, What commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Today we start a new worship series, if you haven't noticed. It's called Ten, and it is a look at God's unwavering commands. And so each week for the next ten weeks, we're going to take a look at a different of the Ten Commandments. And we're going to look at that side by side with a corresponding passage out of the New Testament to see that God's commands for the people of antiquity are still valid and relevant for us today. And so we're going to take a look at each one of these, and hopefully, as I have in researching and writing, we will learn something new each week about the commandments that we have held so sacred, to which we will always continue to hold sacred through the years. And of course, today, we start at the beginning, because where else would you start, but at the beginning, with the first commandment. It was the summer of 1945, and World War II had just ended. Former soldiers, including many of the baseball all-stars who paused their careers to go serve in the armed forces, were returning home and streaming back into America, into American life. And Yankee slugger Joe DiMaggio was no exception to this. Joe DiMaggio returned home, but before returning to his team immediately, he wanted to be a fan, a Yankee fan, for one day. So the Yankee Clipper collected his four-year-old son, Joe Jr., and they went to a, a game at Yankee Stadium. And Joe the Yankee Clipper became Joe the Yankee fan. They thought they could sneak into the mezzanine section in the outfield just to catch a game together, but of course it didn't take long before Joe was recognized. And the first chant started. They said, look, it's Joe! And they started and said, Joe! 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 And very soon the whole stadium was chanting Joe. And of course, Jermaine very touched and moved, stood up to bow and saluted, looked back down at his son to see if he was just as moved as he was. And he sat back down and said, and uh, Joe Jr. looked up at his dad and he said, see, Dad, we do know who I am. <laughs> Imagine for a minute, if you 
would with me. That you are Israel during the time of Jesus. You are sitting at the feet of the Messiah while he is teaching. And he opens the floor up to questions. What do you ask him? Have you ever thought about that? If you could ask Jesus anything, what would you ask This was the exact scene that comes out of the scripture, the scripture we read from Mark today. And of course, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all of those who did not like the teachings that he was uh, uh, preaching, they wanted to try to catch Jesus saying things that they could prosecute him on. And so one of the scribes, which is a modern-day lawyer, um, asked a, a pointed question out of the crowd. He said, hey, Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus, instead of giving an answer that the scribe could get him on, he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18 in one answer. And Jesus tells him, there is nothing greater than the, to love God and to love others. Nothing is greater than me. I can just imagine that scribe taking a step back and not knowing how to respond to that. As so often, many of us probably don't know how to respond to that. Truly, honestly. Some may hear or read this from Jesus and think, oh, good. I'm off the hook for all those other ten I read about in the Old Testament. But I want you to hear today what Jesus is doing and hear what Jesus is not doing. Okay? Jesus is not replacing the Ten Commandments. Are you with me? Jesus is not replacing the Ten Commandments. I want you to listen to the scripture out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Matthew 5, 17 through 19, it says, uh, Jesus says, Do not think. I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not renouncing the Ten Commandments, nor is he renouncing any part of the Jewish law. The Jewish law, of course, being the Torah, which are the first five books of our Old Testament. Genesis through Deuteronomy. Jesus never renounces them. Instead, Jesus puts a twist on them. Jesus adds a twist of grace to the interpretation of these laws. 
Jesus reprioritizes. Jesus modernizes the laws and the commandments. Jesus' claim is that the fundamental and organizing principle of the law, the fundamental the organizing principle of all of the commandments of all the Old Testament is the love of God and the love of neighbor. <coughs> the love of God and the love of neighbor. In his answer, Jesus places the Ten Commandments into two categories. Now, I know Jesus was saying so much in, in such a, a short answer, did you? <laughs> Jesus is placing the Ten Commandments into two categories. The first four fall under the answer to love the Lord your God. These teach us how we are called to live in relation to God. Listen to Exodus 20, 1 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11 says this. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God and brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or uh, that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. These first four commandments speak of our relationship to God. And then the second category of commandments, the next six, fall under his answer to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus categorizes the next six in relation to how we are called to treat one another. Listen to Exodus chapter 20, 12 through 17. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So today, as I mentioned, we start at the beginning. And I promise I won't read all ten each week. But I wanted you to hear those as we start. So today we start at the beginning. The way that God worded this to Moses was, You shall have no other gods before me. Let's say it together, ready? You shall have no other gods before me. This is how God revealed the commandment to Moses. 
And I want us to be reminded for today and throughout the rest of the series that commandments were worded in a way that God revealed them to Moses because this was the way the people of Moses' time would have best understood it. Oh well, sorry for those online if you couldn't hear the first. I'm not starting over. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I can't. Where was I? Where was I before I, ran, I met Roy McIntyre? <laughs> That's right. You should have no other gods before me. The way that we hear the commandments out of Exodus 20 is the way that they were revealed to Moses in the language Bradley, of those. I got you. It should be going now. Okay. It should be good now. Thank you, technology. Thank you, technology. Thanks for keeping me straight, y'all. Uh, the, the commandments were worded in a way because it's how the people of Moses' day would have best understood it. Okay? Everybody with me now? If you're with me, say amen. Okay, the commandments are worded in a way because that's how the people of Moses' time would have understood it. In the ancient world, in the ancient world, a, a, a great ruler or a king was often revered so much that they uh, were worshipped or seen as a god or seen as above other humans. Everything that was done in the kingdom for which that ruler was over was done in response to what the king had or what the king could do, what the king um, could have provided. Therefore, revered as a god in many circumstances. So the language of the commandment communicates that there are no others to be revered as gods. There are no kings greater than I, the Lord your God. And Jesus, excuse me, God begins Exodus 20 with, I am the Lord your God. As in the only God. There's a reason this commandment was first. There's a reason it's worded the way it was. It is the first mentioned by Jesus in his answer to the question that he was given because it is the most important thing that lays the foundation and sets the stage for all of the rest of the commandments and for everything in our lives. If you hear nothing else, and I know you can hear me online now because the microphone is working. If you're here or there, you hear nothing else today, hear this. The most important thing we can do, the most important thing we must do as followers of Christ, as Christians, is to put God first. The most important thing we must do is to put God first. Well, preacher, how can I do that? I'm so glad you asked. Our God is so good. And He is so good all the time. That God understood and understands that it isn't simply enough to tell us to do something. Okay, we can't just will our way into putting God first. 
We can't just snap our fingers like God did and say, this is what I'll do. And cold turkey, I'm going to do it. Humanity doesn't work like that. God knows we can't just will our way into putting God first. We need help. And God has provided it in a powerfully transformative way by liberating us from the hold of our sinful captors. Exodus 20 verse 2 states, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Ten Commandments begin with an important reminder of what God has done. God brought the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt and set them free in their land, their land flowing with milk and honey. It is a reminder that God creates freedom and liberation from sin. But the best part about Exodus 20 verse 2 is not, it doesn't just stop about what God has done. Exodus 20 verse 2 also, begin, it also is a picture of the gospel because it sets up what God will do. We were enslaved to our passions and to the powers and to the desires of this world and nothing, not even the law, not the Ten Commandments, not the law of Moses, not the Torah, not any of the Old Testament, not any of the New Testament for that matter. None of it has the power to set us free. But God who is good... The God who loved us all first and way before any of us had the ability to even love God back entered into this world through Jesus Christ and suffered our pain. He died our death and then in the greatest act of mercy of all time defeated death and in doing so liberated us from our captivity to sin. God rescued us from slavery of sin just as God rescued the Jews from their slavery to the Egyptians. And God is saying, I've done this for you because I am the Lord your God. So here is what I want you to do in return. I don't want you to put anything else before me. Let me be first in your life. I've set you free. So please don't go and enslave yourself to something or to someone else. Because I want to always be first in your life. Sometimes it is easy to forget or to lose sight of the, the simple fact that, that so many good things in life can become ultimate things for us. In modern society, uh, we don't worship gods made of stone or rock, and we typically don't worship great rulers or people um, who are kings or become great rulers or who we think are great rulers. We are way more sophisticated than that, are we not? We have more sophisticated gods. 
we sometimes secretly or even unknowingly worship gods made of money, worship gods made of pleasure, worship gods that look like careers, and gods that look like relationships. Hello? Author George Orwell once said, when men stop worshiping God, they promptly stop worshiping man with disastrous results. Putting God first, having no other gods before me, simply means saying yes to God before we say yes to anything or anyone else, including ourselves. Hello? <laughs> means putting God above anything, including ourselves, in this life. The Heidelberg Catechism is an online theological publication and it explains very well this concept. The Heidelberg Catechism says, God requires that I rightly know the only true God, that I trust Him alone and look to God for every good thing humbly and patiently and love, fear, and honor God with all of my heart. In short, that I give up anything rather than go against God's will in any way. That I give up anything rather than go against God's will in any way. So the question that all of us are asking today, or should be asking, is how am I putting God first in my life today? Is there anything that I need to give up? Is there anything I need to take on that has become an ultimate thing to me? How am I best worshiping the Lord, my God, today? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God is saying, don't enslave yourself to something I've already set you free from. Because I love you that much. I just want the same love back. And this is our gospel message. And this is how thou shalt not have any other gods before me is still relevant for all of us today. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.